Welcome to Direct to Audio Movie Discussions Podcast. My name is Spencer, and we are going to be doing another review today. November is one of those weird months, uh, I think just in general, because everybody kind of goes from Halloween straight to Christmas. Uh, Thanksgiving is kind of like that, you know, forgotten child almost. And sadly, it sometimes feels that way with the podcast because spooky season is so big for the pod and myself. And then obviously with Christmas, there are movies that kind of go around that. But there's this kind of weird middle ground, obviously, in November. And the content is always kind of a question. Like the first year we did The Guest because we made the joke that you have guests at Thanksgiving and therefore it counts as a Thanksgiving movie. Uh, We did obviously do Planes, Trains last year. And we're going to be doing some kind of Thanksgiving-y themed content. uh, But that's going to happen, ironically enough, in December. Because the future episodes for the pod, I guess I'll just tell you right now before we dive into what this episode's about, and I'll be brief because I think a lot of people wanted to listen to me talk about this new movie, but we're going to go Silent Night, Deadly Night with Liz. We're going to do The Muppets, Teresa and I. Then Liz is going to come back on and we're going to cover the Charlie Brown holiday specials going from uh, Great Pumpkin to Thanksgiving and then to Christmas. So there's kind of the trifecta, just like we did the Grinch episode. Uh, and then I have a couple more holiday episodes to go and then we'll wrap it up. But this was, again, this month is always kind of a question. And we did weird last week because that's what Max wanted to do. And I had actually already planned on doing the Black Panther Wakanda Forever review. So we kind of had back-to-back reviews. But that's okay because I feel like they're a little bit different episodes. And this one uh, is one that I wanted to talk about because I was very concerned. I have said in the past, I believe on the podcast, that I'm kind of marveled out. Uh, There's just so much content. And I think what comes with that is an inevitability of just kind of burnout in a sense. Not like a full disinterest by any means, but kind of just like almost a lethargic feeling like, okay, I guess I'll watch this one. And the urgency is not always there. Plus, I feel like I've been spurned as a fan from it with Thor Love and Thunder. I was not a huge fan of that. Doctor Strange, we talked about that on the pod. It was okay. And I feel like there's so much content being pumped out, and it almost felt a little directionless. Uh, Whereas if you look at, because this is technically the end of Phase 4. We are covering, obviously, Wakanda Forever. I don't think people realize that this is the end of this phase. Uh, And for Marvel fans, you obviously know all the phases. And it's kind of weird, because at the end of each phase, we kind of had something, you know? We had the introduction of Thanos... We had Avengers 1 be the end of that phase. Uh, We had, obviously, Endgame. These kind of, or not, I apologize, not Thanos, but it was, I believe, Captain Marvel was the end of that phase, if I'm correct. Um, But at least you kind of get the idea that there was something that kind of felt like we were getting a definitive shift. And I think we kind of got that with some of the time stuff that we're getting now. Uh, But I think a lot of people were hoping to see something with this kind of kick us into a new gear. Uh, I'm going to obviously do the spoiler-free and the spoiler-filled portion. 
Um, I will say, I loved this movie. I thought it was fantastic. This movie was truly in a hard place uh, for multiple reasons. Obviously, with Chadwick passing, it definitely shifted all the plans that this movie had in the MCU as well. And obviously, that is, you know, such a small concern when you talk about the tragic loss of somebody. You kind of have to let the creative stuff go by the wayside because again it just in the end of the day it doesn't matter like that doesn't matter he was more important as a person than just this character and i think with that though you have such a iconic person character and a friend to the mcu and to all these people and people have connected with this character for multitudes of reasons and you want to honor that legacy and then, but you also have to kind of do the uh, Queen song, you know, the show must go on in a sense. And I think we were all kind of okay if they just stopped making Black Panther movies and kind of addressed it and said, "All right, we're, the Wakandans will be there." But you know, we, we, I don't, I don't know where to go from that. As Marvel saying that, um, or you know, if down the line they kind of reboot the franchise with someone new. And this movie does address that stuff. Um, it also addresses Chadwick's passing. I think it does that beautifully. It is not crude or rude uh, or insensitive. It is um, tragic. It is a heartfelt um, kind of goodbye to not only the character T'Challa and Black Panther, but to Chadwick itself. It felt like the whole first 15 minutes were basically a eulogy in the best way. Um, and I think what's great is it makes narrative sense, but it also um, just really is beautiful. And you can see that the emotions that are shared on screen are the people behind the camera and in front of the camera as well, sharing their true emotions. It doesn't feel fake or forced. It feels so well done. And then they kind of move towards the story and they still bring it up. Um, but I think it's good that they didn't make a huge story out of it. Then it would have felt kind of cheap. It makes complete sense in the Marvel universe and it doesn't feel like you're taking it and kind of doing something weird with it or insensitive with it. It all makes sense. Um, I recommend this movie. I will say it's long as all hell, and I think there is a clear chunk of the film that can be taken out. The performances are fantastic. All across the board, Angela Bassett, I mean, she puts the work in and gives one of the most heart-wrenching performances that we've seen in the MCU. And we've had a lot of great uh, portrayals in the MCU. I just want to say as well, now I'm thinking about it because I just said that, it's kind of like how people treat horror films. It's like, oh, that's good acting for the MCU, or that's good acting for horror movies, or that's good acting. It's good acting all across the board. Like, I think we can recognize that you just take away the parameters and you can recognize that it's good acting. And she does a fantastic job. I think the rest of the cast is great. Letitia Wright as Shuri, again, coming in and basically being the lead of the movie. I thought she did a great job. Her emotions really powered this film and 
there are some parts where I feel like she kind of gets characterized in a sense. Uh, and I'm not really a huge fan of what they do with some of her character arcs. Um, Dominique Thorne, uh, she was good. I just think the movie could have done more with her. She felt so much like a cast off in a sense. It was like, oh, she's here. And then they'd bring her back and be like, look, she is here. Um, it kind of felt like how they used the Hulk and Bruce Banner in Infinity War. Like he's there, but is he really there? Um, and uh, Lupita Nyong'o was, again, she's one of the best actors in the world. So it makes sense that she's going to be great. Same with Winston Duke. I mean, those two phenomenal actors and we obviously get a chance to shine, which is good. The one that really gets a big chance to shine is Denai Guerrera uh, as a Koye. She really, and they gave her this kind of in Infinity War and Endgame in a sense, they started to give her more of a character, but Okoye just really stands out in this movie. And I think it's smart when you're trying to make this feel like a different part of the MCU and you're trying to bring Wakanda and it is Wakanda forever. You know, you're trying to not just focus on one person being the Black Panther anymore. Having Letitia Wright uh, and Shuri's character and Okoye together um, really does a fantastic kind of buddy cop aspect in a sense for a lot of the movie. Uh, but I'm going to tell you right now, the big winner of the movie for me uh, was, and I'm going to try to pronounce his name correctly, Tenochtuerta, um as Namor. Namor was a character, well, there are many, let me just say, but he was one of the characters that I was so concerned about bringing into the MCU because it's a fish man with wings on his feet and that can easily become a joke. And I had those concerns when they were doing Ant-Man, and I have those concerns with a lot of the Fantastic Four, and some of the X-Men can kind of feel that way, where they just feel goofy. They just feel very uh, 60s, 70s, golden age of comics kind of goofy characters, where it's just like, we're going to make this guy do one specific thing. And back then it feels cool, but when you try to adapt it to screen, it's like, okay, how do you do that? But Namor is one of the most badass and motivationally driven characters that the MCU has. His motivations are perfect. His actions are justified in his senses and his eyes. And everything makes sense. I loved his character. I loved the performance. And I think that that was the perfect place to go for this. Is um, You create the story that Wakanda's biggest resource is vibranium. And obviously, since they announced their presence, the world would want to capitalize on that. Just like with Iron Man, when he announces the world, everyone wants to kind of take their slice of the pie. Same thing here. Wakanda obviously is against that. And as you find out that uh, Namor and his people uh, are trying to protect their land as well. And this is putting them at risk. And therefore, he has to do what he has to do to protect them. It's perfect. I don't want to go into too much spoilers for that, but I think that's basically the plot of the film there. You kind of have understood that from some of the trailers. And it brings in a lot of people. And I think it's overall just fantastic. Uh, average 77% on 
with the way I look at reviews. A little lower than I thought. I don't think it's a perfect film by far and away. I think some of the CG looks absolutely abysmal. Um, it's no spoiler that Ironheart's in here. Her costume looks like trash. Like, I, I cannot stress enough how it looks like a PlayStation 4 anime style character from a video game almost. Uh, it looks like a person in a CGI suit. And it's a shame that we went from, I mean, Iron Man kind of sadly went that way with some of his suits where it was like, oh, that's just all CG. Um, but he still had some semblance of the character in there. This just looks like a horrible mech suit. And I truly hope they fix that. Um, some other CG just looks really bad as well, which is crazy because then there are some parts that look fantastic. Like everything with the water, they did film a lot in the water and that's cool. And you can kind of see how they did that. And I think you needed that to be able to get those performances. But um, yeah, the rest of CG, some parts just looks really bad. Um, I think the action sequences are great. Uh, there are some weird choices, and I want to get into those in a bit. I don't want to spoil anything, but there are just some weird choices with characters and with the ending of certain sequences, and also, like I said, the inclusion of one. The thing is with Marvel, and this is what I've seen a lot online, is it is a lot of, well, they're going to fix that in the future. And where I see that's okay, you still have to have a narrative plot here. And they do that with a lot of their movies is they'll go, well, there might be a plot hole, but down the line, it'll get fixed. And that's fine for an overarching story. But you have to still have this be a film that has a beginning and an end, unless it's like a two part, like you see Infinity War and Endgame, even still Infinity War perfectly has everything tied up right there. Um, I just think this one has a little bit too much of that where it's a lot of like, stay tuned. And for phase four, there's a little too much of stay tuned. Um, and I know I'll eat my words in the future for a lot of my questions of phase four, but I just feel like this is the phase where we have way too many questions. Um, if you're looking at the Loki show, Moon Knight, uh, She-Hulk, WandaVision, WandaVision kind of gets tied up more in Doctor Strange, which is good. Uh, Loki maybe will get tied up with Ant-Man and the Wasp, but even the Eternals, Shang-Chi, there are just a lot of up in the air things that I was hoping they'd kind of start to tie together in this, as I said in the beginning, uh, and they don't, they actually add more. And to me, that is getting a little ridiculous when you have so much content out there right now for Marvel. I mean, all of the Disney Plus shows are Phase 4. All the past movies, starting with, I believe, uh, Eternals or Shang-Chi. I think Spider-Man is the end of the last phase. Uh, it's just a lot of... Hmm, I'm not sure. And that can be fun to think that there's a lot of possibilities. But now there's too many. And that's why a lot of people are questioning, like, who's the big bad? And we now know it might be Kang. Um, but how does that correlate to everything else that we're seeing? Um, and maybe that's just me being a nitpicky fan. And you're probably screaming at the radio right now, answering those questions for me. But I think I speak for many people. And that's a lot of things I've seen online. I think that is a lot of the criticisms. I think the criticisms lie within the length 
the strangely bad CG, and I think a lot of question marks. Is it a great touching tribute to the Black Panther character in Chadwick? Of course. Is there some really cool jumping off points and some things that we could do? Absolutely. But is it the end of a phase? Not by a long shot. And I truly hope that we don't start to get less narratively driven MCU products because I think that's what makes this so great. The fact that we had a 27 film arc that made total sense. And yes, there are some that kind of don't follow that arc, but those are the ones that are lesser regarded. And I think that in a film series that has this many movies, now it seems that they're going, oh, wait for the next couple movies. And it's like, I don't want to have to get to 54 movies to feel like, oh, all those things are tied up. I think that there's a little bit too many uh, fishing lines out there waiting for catches. And I think we're not going to reel in the fish that we think. Is that a really bad analogy? Probably. But did it work in my head when I was saying it? Also probably. Uh, Ryan Coogler, though, I just want to quickly say, keep him on. Him, the Russos, they truly understand Marvel properties. The way he brings in these absolutely dynamic villainous characters with Killmonger and then now Namor, it's magical. He also just has a visual style that is fantastic. The cinematography in this is great. That's not him, but still, um, there is a lot of great visuals. And I think what's really great about this movie is that it's, it feels like a political melodrama for the first hour, hour and a half maybe. And then it goes into like a more MCU film. But there is this almost political um, like spy espionage movie in a sense, kind of like what Winter Soldier was, where it's just really interesting. You're really trying to see how these two nations or nation is a looser term for Namor's uh, home. I'm not going to try to say the name um, because I will butcher the hell out of it. But it's a really cool discussion of like, well, kind of like with the Soviet Accords or Sokovia Accords, not the Soviet Sokovia Accords um, about like, what do we do when we can't actually fight and we need to discuss with our words, you know, what is the solution here? Because we clearly see multiple sides and they all have, you know, reasonable reasons as to why they are doing things they're doing. Other countries are clearly looking for a vibranium because it is a metal and a resource and they want their stake in it. That's going to happen everywhere. Wakanda wants to protect their land, keep their resource to make themselves more important to the world and make it so that they can benefit from vibranium. Straightforward and pretty simple. And then you have Namor's, again, land that... Um, wants to make sure that they are not seen, they are not heard from, and they can live peacefully. And if this keeps up, they're going to be found and they're going to be pissed. That's it. And they, they could be they could be murdered. And, and that's what you obviously don't want from his side. So I think it's a great uh, kind of triangle of problematic areas there. And I um, I just think it works. And I'm a big fan of it. And I'm interested to see after rewatches um, how this movie ages. Like I said, I think the finale is kind of weak. I didn't actually, I didn't say that. I think the finale is kind of weak. 
Uh, I think it kind of wraps up things a little too quickly in regards to a two-hour, 41-minute film. I think they could have used a little more time uh, with some of those scenes, let them breathe, rather than come to the conclusion they came to. And uh, you get some uh, movie editing that kind of uh, moves the plot along that I just don't think works. Let's get into spoilers right now. Um, So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. If you have, here we go. I think the ending is absolutely um, weirdly edited. The fact that we have one scene where they're all fighting and then it cuts to Black Panther now, Shuri, uh, fighting Namor. And then we immediately cut back and uh, now the Wakandans are on the edge of this ship about to be pushed off. It's like, well, we just saw them winning. What changed? Uh, Why did they do that? And then... We then cut back for like another 10 minutes of this fight scene. She gets stabbed pretty much to the spine and her kidneys, but she's fine though. Pulls that thing out. No worries. And uh, he basically, uh, you know, air drowns himself and uh, dries out. And uh, they basically come to the conclusion that, hey, we can work together. I don't know why he immediately comes to that. I like the ending where they kind of wrap that up where he's like, well, it's better to have them on our side when we need them. They'll come to us and then we can strike. It's smart. He plays the political game. I'm very interested to see where his character goes. But then we cut to them flying together and the Wakanda is still being pushed off that ship. It's like that, what, they just stood there for a while? It just really felt like weird pacing. Um, Ironheart was a complete wasted character. It felt like she was like the plot device. Oh, she makes this machine, another smart kid, um, which I get. I like that we're trying to bring in the kids. But now it's getting a little redundant. We have Shuri. We have Peter Parker. We have her. Uh, We just have a lot of characters who are conveniently smarter than experts. And they look, I don't even know where her character goes from here. Like she's going to go back and uh, she's going to get taken by the FBI and the CIA. Like immediately. Because now she's been gone for weeks. And with Ross now being, uh, I guess, uh, escaped convict. We don't know who's going to be able to protect her. Val's going to be after her. Maybe that's the plot of the Thunderbolts. Again, another thing where it's like, what are we doing with her? I feel like that entire sequence could have been dropped. Everything with her and with Ross. Ross could have been there to assist them. And then we find out that he gets arrested. But with him and Val, that just, I feel like they go nowhere. And... I think there could have been some scenes that got cut short to give a little bit more to Ironheart. She kind of just became this weird character of like, well, I was saved, so now I'm going to help you. And no one's questioning where she's at. It just felt really shoehorned in there to be like, here's another character. Um, Okoye's arc, I really liked um, the fact that she gets exiled. I was kind of thinking to myself, though, like, what happens? Because you're still in Wakanda. Does she... she work, can she, she's working at a market, but like... I think exploring what would have happened to her would have been interesting. Um, I think Shuri's character, uh, her motivations make total sense. She feels grief because obviously her brother died and she feels partly responsible because she wasn't able to find a cure. And it just feels like a really rational motivation for her to have. What doesn't feel rational is the fact that she snaps and becomes a dictator in a sense and is so hell-bent on vengeance. Um, yes, he killed her mother um and i guess that would have her go this route but there's just some sequences where it just feels like we have never seen 
I mean, we haven't really seen much of Shuri to begin with, but it just feels like this isn't the character that they've showed us. And it's another kind of, in a sense, almost Peter Parker with um, Aunt May, where our grief is in our anger. It's literally the same kind of exact plot point. The villain kills, you go back, realize you're bigger than the villain, and you survive getting stabbed. Well, the other Peter does. And um, kind of gets resolved. feels very similar to that. I do like that they brought Killmonger back, in a sense, in the afterlife. I wish they would have explained why he was there. They kind of leave that up to a mystery. Um, and um, I just, again, it's 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 cool in the moment. It really is. And I did not want CG Chadwick or older scenes. I didn't want him superimposed. Um so I'm kind of glad it wasn't that. I'm very glad. But I feel like you then need to explain to me why. And again, maybe that's down the line. But I'm getting kind of tired of kicking the can down the road. Um, I think she probably should be dead from getting stabbed uh, with a vibranium spear right through the stomach. Um, I also think Namor um, probably should be dead as well. He got the shit kicked out of him. He wasn't in water, so apparently he should die from that. But that was kind of confusing for them to stumble upon that theory. He's land and water and a mutant. I you got to give him a weakness, and that makes sense that they would do that. But it felt very much like convenient for convenience sake. They were like, what if he's not wet? And then the part that makes me laugh is they're flying to the desert area, and they don't have autopilot on this apparently. And she was just like, I'm flying, but he's attacking the ship. He's just fucking spearing the ship, and she's just watching it happen. It's like, go fight him and have that be stopped the best way you can. Um, also, poorly planned Wakanda and ships where he stabs enough time and it just literally implodes and falls apart like Legos being dropped. Um, good they don't get crashed into on accident because that shit would just fall apart. Um, the ending, again, just felt really weird. It felt really rushed. And for a movie that took that long to build up to it, it felt like they're like, all right, people wrap this up. We got to film the next one. Um, so I'm not really sure. Uh, Okoye's suit, one of the worst looking suits we've ever seen. It looks like a little kid drew, uh, what they wanted the superhero to look like. And it came out as this owl, night owl or whatever. Um, looks abysmal. Um, and it just, I guess it was a fun little joke throughout the thing where she's like, it looks like shit. Make the end be that it doesn't look like shit. Like, that's honestly what you have to do. Oh, that looks really cool. That was just a prototype. No, we get the shit costume. Um, felt really strange. I think uh, the one scene that feels kind of weird is the uh, Okoye, Shuri, and uh, Ironheart escape. It felt really cheesy. We also kind of did that in the first Black Panther. And so it was kind of like, you like this? Let's do it again. It just felt really too fast and furious for me. Um, and it didn't feel like it was smart for any of the characters at all. Um, just, yeah, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop saying things I didn't like. I promise. Um, again, I love Namor. Uh, I think his entire plot line is amazing. I think the way he treats Shuri and is like, look, I don't want to kill you. Here's my land. Understand my people. Here's this bracelet that my mom gave me, which look, I get that it's important for the plot. I don't know why you'd give that bracelet if it's the one that his mother gave him. Maybe it's like the ultimate sign of respect. 
But uh, that's a bit of a stretch if that's like his one thing that he has from his mother. Anyway, I mean, that's a neither here nor there. But I love the underwater sequences. I love seeing that world. And I think that the way that they showed how he doesn't trust the humans because they murdered and destroyed his people and where he used to grow up. Um, I love eating the same type of blue flower, turn them into a different type of creature. I'm not sure how they built that much underwater and how they found that place. Um, that feels very much, again, movie like, oh, yeah, and we built this entire civilization. I don't know how you do that underwater. But again, kind of suspend disbelief a little bit there. His people make sense. I love how powerful they are uh, and how they're basically like super soldiers. That's going to be interesting to play into the future. I don't understand the siren song thing. I mean, I get that mermaids and sirens and everything have always had that, but they kind of just drop that. They do it once to the uh, people on that ship, then they do it again to the Wakandans, and then they're like, well, our best power, we're done. Like they, That feels like a super weapon that they can literally use to destroy the world it feels like uh they're getting people to jump into the water and basically kill themselves which is insane feels a little strange just kind of be like and now they're gonna fight in hand-to-hand combat i guess there we see in the beginning on the uh, bridge that they are like a basically club of honor where it's like all right we're gonna fight hand-to-hand combat and uh even if you're down i'm gonna give you back your weapon because i want to fight honorably then why would you have that secret weapon as like your last resort? I don't know. Again, I guess they're villains, so you got to have that there. Um, Namor's powers are fantastic. I love that he's a mutant. They dropped the M word. Uh, give us more of that. I think he's what one of four mutants now in the MCU. So I think if we can build upon that, we slowly get in a little more X Men. Give me a good X Men. I don't want the same old, same old X Men. I want MCU's take. I want new actors. If we're gonna do it reboot the entire thing i don't want to be like you remember them i don't want to remember them i want to see new stuff so namor being here and being a mutant very interesting uh the way they got back the uh flower-shaped herb love it continues on the black panther storyline it uh kind of is your contingency plan that you have to have it was a cool plot point in the beginning in that first movie but now to have it be like, okay, we got to have this just in case um, we want to go to another route for the Black Panther makes total sense. Now, I will say it's too early to have T'Challa, the son there. I know you have to have him there because it would be weird if he just was, you know, born after Chadwick's passing. But it just feels like they're like, well, we're setting it up again. And I don't know. It's it's sweet. I have my skeptical, you know, thoughts about it, but I'm not going to be too cynical about that. It was a really sweet, touching moment, and I hope they expand upon that in the future, and I hope they don't play their hand too soon. Just let that be in the back. That's the ace in the back, or ace in the hole, technically. Um, I'm interested to see where we go from here. I know that originally the plot for the movie was going to be... Uh, T'Challa really struggling with the fact that he was gone for five years from the blip and seeing how the world changed and struggling with his grasp on his kingdom. And we obviously will never get that story. And that's okay. I think what we did and the way we pivoted made total sense. And I'm interested to see where it goes. But again, I have a lot of question marks with where this is going to be going.
and I don't know if Shuri's going to be part of the Avengers or if Wakanda will be its own thing or where Namor fits into all this. I don't see why Namor would help fight with anybody. Maybe you have that again, as he mentioned, it's always to kind of secretly double cross where it's like, I'm going to get what I want and I'll help them whenever I can, but it's mostly going to be for me. Maybe that's always going to be his motivation. Um, and that'll be interesting, I guess. You kind of have like a low-key type figure where he is an anti-hero. He's not a true hero besides for his people. Maybe that's the way you go. And I think that might be fun. Ironheart and Armor Wars, I'm going to be honest, I hope. And even Thunderbolts. I hope they clear up a lot of this mess. Uh, Ironheart, the character, I'm interested to see where we go. Because again, another smart kid. Or, or no, she's not a kid. She's basically a young adult. But we're getting a lot of them, as I said earlier. And I just want to see them expand on this um, and give me some more reasons besides just she's smart. Um, and she created Iron Man suit. Uh, Thunderbolts, you better give me some sort of Suicide Squad style thing where they're going after her or they're going after Namor or they're going after Vibranium. Probably be even cooler than that, but that's what I'm talking about right now. Uh, armor wars i hope they advance a little bit more of those storylines uh maybe bringing ross in there or probably thunderbolts too but uh yeah i'm just i'm very happy with this film i don't want it to sound like i hate it by any means it's easier to critique than it is to compliment i feel like a lot of times with movie podcasts um i already said how much i love t'challa's um kind of farewell and his tribute and I love the political aspect in that beginning. I was enthralled by that and where they can go with now Wakanda being a recognized nation. I totally forgot that Wakanda was recognized at the end. Um, and I think it's funny that France was being shit on the whole beginning where they're like, France sent these ones in. And she was like, oh, it's like, I think like they're always the punching bag of jokes. So it was funny to see them be the aggressors in this sense. Uh, I was just like, why France out of all the countries where they're like specifically Fuck you. Uh, that got a laugh out of me. Um, this movie does have the typical uh, humor that is with the MCU. Uh, also with the way that it was written in the past and directed The Last Black Panther. Um, there is humor from that. And I think that that really does help. You needed to have that be in this so it wasn't just a serious, somber, sad tone the whole time. Um, Angela Bassett's character passing uh, was hard. And I guess it works. She sacrificed herself and it was a shame. It was, it was really sad. I kind of saw it coming the way they kind of, you know, laid everything out. She was going to be the one that was also going to go. And, uh, they did a really good tribute for that part as well. The character, obviously, uh, Angela's still with us, but, uh, I, did that need to happen? I don't know. Maybe it did. But it advances Shuri's character in Wakanda as a whole and kind of opens up the cracks of the shell a little bit, which I think you need. I am just going to say, though, when the fuck did Wakanda ever border the sea? Literally, every picture of Wakanda was them just being literally bordered in by a bunch of other countries. So I guess we're scrapping that. Um, but again, it's movie magic, and sometimes you got to let things slide. I just thought it was funny. I was like, where did that come from? I'm also just going to, now that I think about it, Wakanda's kind of fucked because they are still tied to uh, that issue on the mining rig and then 
technically with the stuff that happened on the bridge there uh because that was it i'm gonna try to say it like tetlockens or what i that's horrible but i tried um they are still unknown like we know of namor the sea creature i guess uh but not really anything else so wakanda's pretty much fucked on a global scale maybe that comes into play a little bit later val's gonna definitely be on that like a hawk and i'm just again it's this is the common phrase this episode i'm interested to see where it goes and uh maybe that's a good thing but i'm not gonna say too much more about this movie um you guys have already all seen it and hopefully you liked it like i did because again i did like it i think the action was fun and interesting i just wish they wrapped up the scenes a little bit better i think Angela Bassett's character was phenomenal, and her performance is one for the ages. Her death, it was important for Shuri, and for the plot, and for Wakanda, but did it feel kind of, you know, predicted in a sense and scripted, obviously? Yes, it did. Um, Shuri, I like that she is now the new Black Panther. I'm interested to see where it goes. She's a different type of leader. I wish they would have explained that a little bit more. But at the end of the day, she is her own Black Panther, and her fighting style is different. And please tell me why she's still technically alive. Nonetheless, we'll go from there later. Namor. Give me more Namor. Namor? More Namor. Should be a pun there. Um, You say Namor, I say yay more. That was bad. Let's just be honest. That was really bad. Um, Give me more large wars in between countries because that was fun to see having those not countries i guess but you know domains in a sense um maybe have the thunderbolts be the united states side of that fight um i'm ready to see that uh, i just think those kind of scale battles are fun and uh they're very interesting to see but uh I hope we get to see more Ross in a sense. Um, I love his character. I think it's fun that he is basically playing the side of, um, you know, helping the Wakandans. But I called, I was like, that's treason. I was like, as soon as you start uh, sharing that with other countries, uh, I was like, it's nice and fun for plot purposes, but you're literally committing treason. So, uh, yeah. And then as soon as she arrested him, I was like, I called that one. Uh, them being exes is a funny joke, but it's going to lead to nothing. Um, unless they have like a super powered child which makes no sense to me but it was just very much like oh ha 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 they were together um but uh i still like him i think he's great another great actor in the tool chest for the mcu and i'm glad he was able to come back i just think they could have tightened up those sequences and shortened them up a little bit uh they could have shortened up a lot of these things um and that's okay i think where the MCU goes from here is interesting. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is going to hopefully change the landscape of the MCU and answer all these questions. I'm not going to you know, hold my breath on that by any means. But I am just going to say, hopefully, they start to tie these things up. And there's a lot of question marks in the MCU right now. I think Black Panther answered everything it had to do with what it had i I think that's a part of it right now i guess i'll say it had a lot on its plate to go from 
you know, you are now the end of the phase four. Also, tie up Black Panther. Also, continue Black Panther. Also, bring in these characters. Also, pay tribute to our friend. There's a lot of, you know, plates there to try to juggle. And I think they did a lot of them well. The one that they didn't was the Marvel one. And I think as an obligation to the franchise, I think it's okay. Now I'm thinking about it right now. They can let that slide because what they had to do, they did it and they did it well. And um, I think 77%, maybe a little bit low. I'd probably give it a 79.80. Is that a big increase? Not really, but I think in the grand scheme of MCU, it is because I've done the um, rankings for the MCU for the bracket episode in the past. And that's honestly one of the lowest MCU movies. And I think a lot of Phase 4 will be on that low side. But, you know, I, I think this deserves to be a little bit higher than that. Maybe a B minus. So maybe you're looking at like a uh, like an 81. I think that's probably a good number. But also, now that I've done so many movies like that, reviews fucking suck. So I'll just say that. Metacritic can go fuck itself. I'm seriously debating on just cutting Metacritic out of when I do those reviews because it's the worst of them all. But I don't know what I'd replace it with. So if you have any ideas on what I could replace it with, because I'd like to keep it at six. Um, I just think I would like to replace Metacritic or maybe just do an average of Metacritic. So if I did the average Metacritic score and then added something else. Maybe that would help. Um, but I don't know. Let me know what you think. But yeah, this is it. What kind of forever? Um, literally and figuratively. What kind of forever for the podcast episode and also MCU? What kind of forever? Um, next week, we're going to be doing Silent Night, Deadly Night. Liz and I uh, kicking off the holiday season. No Thanksgiving episode. We just couldn't time out doing the Charlie Brown movies. So that'll be in mid December. After that will be Teresa and I covering the Muppet franchise. Then it will go to Charlie Brown. And then we have a couple more Christmas episodes and holiday episodes. And then, yeah, we're steamrolling to season six. So thank you, listener. I appreciate you. And, um, yeah, let me know your thoughts on how to do these reviews now. Because, again, I just I need to change them. A Metacritic, again, can go fuck itself. It just needs to be done better. It really does. Um, we're Rotten Tomatoes. Although it's frustrating, it never is the has the polar you know opposites and the really rough review scores that Metacritic does. So there you go. But thank you so much. I appreciate y'all for listening. Stay tuned for more content. And uh, as always, be kind. Please rewind. Intro song from YouTube Audio Library by DJ Williams. Recordings done on Clean Feed podcast distributed by anchor original logo created by friend of the pod david current logo created by friend of the pod liz purring by storm